0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In this reading, we are confronted with a rebuke of our Lord. Some have heard our Lord's words of this generation without faith, or this faithless generation, and seen in his words and being frustrated, being at his end perhaps here. But what's important to see here is that this word from our Lord is met immediately by the command to bring the boy to him. Because then he heals them. And it quickly follows in the apostles' confusion when the father says that they were were unable to heal this boy, to cast out the demon that tortured him, our Lord gives an answer of why that's the case. And that's the part that I want to focus in in just a moment, that very answer that our Lord gives to the apostles about what was necessary for the casting out of this demon and its influence upon this boy. There are three instances of lack of faith that we can look at, or at least three instances. One is the man's lack of faith, the boy's father. The other is the boy, and then also of the apostles themselves. For our Lord says that they didn't have the right faith. And then he corrects them and shows them the kind of faith that they need to have. For the man, what was his problem? He shifts blame immediately onto the apostles. There is nothing in the man in this account that shows, and in some of the other gospel accounts it becomes even clearer, that he thought he had no responsibility here. It was entirely the apostles' fault. There was nothing to do with his own faith or even his son's faith that had to do with this healing. So he shifts blame upon the apostles immediately. He takes no personal responsibility for the matter of his own faith. That kind of faithlessness is what Christ is calling out. And then he labors under this faithlessness to try and save this boy. And then he deals with that. So the man requests, but he does not trust. He He does not believe, rather he accuses. And he never looks toward himself, and that's the primary thing that will become very relevant. That we need to look to ourselves, not on how someone else can accomplish something for me. And secondarily, the rebuke of our Lord applies in general to all of the faithless generation. And even the apostles are included in that. St. John Chrysostom, Blessed Theophilac, Jerome, they all highlight the universality of the accusation, and focus on, on how each person there, each role, the father, the boy, the crowd, the apostles, in what way was their faith lacking? So then we come to the boy and the crowd. St. Jerome particularly highlights the boy in the rebuke. As there must have been, he sees it no other way to have this kind of possession without somehow the boy's sins present in his life that allowed this to come in. And so when he rebukes the demon and not the boy, he is recognizing the need to build this boy's faith and to heal him first of the sins by casting out that demon. And so he addresses the demon directly and rebukes it to come out. So that rebuke of our Lord, though we hear it sort of second-hand, is directed at all those who are present. They receive that rebuke of faithlessness even though they may have had some measure of faith, just like every single one of us in this room probably has some measure of faith. But what is important here is, do we have the right kind of faith? Do we have a faith that has the power to cast out demons and their influence within our life, to fight against sin? Is our faith one that enables us and trust in God to take up that fight against sin? It's that kind of faith that is necessary. So then our Lord calls the boy to himself and says, bring him to me. And he rebukes and casts out the demon. And then we move quickly on to the apostles and their confusion. They come to the feet of the Lord and they ask, Why could we not cast out this demon? It's important to note here that this is after they have been given the power to do that very thing. And some of the apostles have already witnessed our Lord transfigured upon the mountain because this takes place just after that glorious event of the feast of which we are in the midst of right now. And so they're very, very confused we should be able to do this, is in other words, a way that we can hear the Apostle's words. Why could we not? And our Lord gives this most brilliant example, an analogy, that we often hear, but I want to put a different perspective upon our Lord's answer than one that we probably hear and immediately think is our knee-jerk reaction. The faith, of a mustard seed. How do we normally understand that? As Christians, we hear in our Sunday schools, oh, it's because it's so tiny. We just need the tiniest little amount of faith, and then we can move mountains and we can cast out demons. But what I want to highlight is one father of the church that I read, St. Gregory the Diologist, he has a different understanding of what the mustard seed is. He doesn't think about the size of the seed at all. That great theologian and father of the church who we attribute to the pre-sanctified liturgy that we have during Lent, he has this to say about the faith of a mustard seed. He says, The mustard seed, unless it is bruised, does not give out its qualities. So if persecution fall upon a holy man, straightway what had seemed weak and contemptible in him is roused into heat and the fervor of virtue. And it's that different understanding that what is unique about the mustard seed here is that it needs to be broken up a little bit to give out its flavor, and for some mustard seeds, even to grow. It needs to be bruised in some way, to use St. Gregory's words. And I think this is the most important aspect because of what immediately follows the faith of the mustard seed. Not the moving of the mountain, but just after that. That it is tied, this kind does not come out, but by prayer and by fasting. So the key here is what the bruising means. By analogy, what is that to us in our lives? Our Lord is pointing and teaching the apostles that it's to that prayer and that fasting. Prayer and fasting are not comfortable, cozy aspects of faith. It's the suffering for the sake of faith and holiness and righteousness that our Lord is pointing at to have the kind of power that was necessary in this situation. In other words, our Lord is saying by saying you need to have the faith like as a mustard seed, that nothing comes free in the spiritual life. We are given Christ, but to grow, to give out the qualities of virtue and even salvation in an experiential sense comes with this, at least this cost, that we need to leave behind our sins. So prayer and fasting are the primary thing that is important here. Prayer and fasting are how sin is left behind and faith is applied. As the scriptures say in another place, faith without works is dead. The Fathers call these two aspects of our faith, the application of our faith, prayer and fasting, to be the wings of the spiritual life. They are also a medicine and an aid to our salvation, as St. Nikolai of Ordid characterizes these two. They are, when he talks about prayer and fasting, he talks about faith applied as medicine. Prayer is for all of our psychic ills, all of the ills of the soul. And when we fast, it's applied to all of our physical ills, meaning all of the ways in which our body controls our spirit. When we fast, we gain the medicine to overcome that. So we need both, our Lord is saying. We need to have prayer and fasting to find the kind of thorough healing, and freedom from the demonic influence that this boy was suffering from. And when we have both, St. Nikolai gives us this beautiful word about how both of these things work. Through fasting, all bodily passions are calmed and destroyed, especially promiscuity. Through prayer, all other passions of soul, heart, and mind are calmed and destroyed. Evil intentions, evil deeds, revenge, envy, hatred, malice, pride, ambition, and all the others. By fasting, the vessel of the body and the soul are cleansed of their filthy contents, of worldly passions and vices. By prayer, the grace of the Holy Spirit is drawn down into the empty and cleansed vessel, and the fullness of faith consists in the abiding of God's spirit in man. So these are the great things that we are called to and what prayer and fasting do for us. They are the bruising of the mustard seed of faith that is necessary to see the fruit and the growth in the spiritual life. This is what our Lord is pointing at, that even the apostles lacked at that time for this kind of exorcism, this kind of healing. But there is this other aspect here that is somewhat underneath all of this that is probably we need to call attention to. It's this chain of authority that is present and that is the shared work of the healing of this boy. Christ heals. Christ gave the apostles the ability to heal. And it's the Father who he is directly addressing, And it is also the Son who is addressing. We see going down. Christ gives, the apostles give, but the Father's faith matters as well. And so does even the Son, St. Jerome highlights. His faith for his healing also matters. All need to be applying their faith in this way, in prayer and in fasting and in their desire for this to be accomplished. Our Lord goes through all of it because he can do what he desires. He desired the exorcism here. And so he does it and then he teaches how it can be continued. But the important thing is that all need to participate in our certain roles. Where we have a responsibility, there is where we need to pray and that's what we need to fast for. On behalf of others even, our Lord is saying. It's only Christ alone who can command and control the demons and here He is teaching us how to participate in this power by applying our faith through prayer and fasting. Then we can have that faith as a grain of a mustard seed. So my dear ones, in closing, faith is a communal and a personal thing at the same time. It's a spiritual movement that requires us, all together, to apply our faith to gain and seek healing righteousness, and holiness for ourselves, but also for those who we are with and those who we are serving. We serve people as Christians in general, as spouses, as parents, as clergy, some of us, as friends, as community gathered in Christ and seeking Christ. Our Lord is saying that prayer and fasting are essential to this life. Faith without this kind of voluntary suffering this bruising of the seed that brings out the qualities of faith, our Lord is pointing at its ineffectiveness and its weakness. Our Lord went so far as to rebuke us even as we hear it as a faithless generation for lacking this application of faith because we need it all together. Let each of us think anew of this mustard seed of faith that St. Gregory is opening up for us and which our Lord tells us is so necessary. Take up prayer and fasting for the healing and casting out of the evil influence that may be in your life, and act in faith through them. By these, we apply our faith, and we soar up in the spiritual life on the wings of faith, that is, of prayer and fasting, as our fathers call them. We rise and fly with them into the heavens, And there, that's where we find peace and rest and healing. So may our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ grant us the strength to take up this and to see his power and authority within our life. Amen.